G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 142 of the Outback Mine podcast. Thank you very, very much for joining in once again. Now, a few uh, football fans would remember Brett Peake that used to run around a bit for uh, Fremantle and St Kilda uh, back in the day. Really great uh, player, Brett. Uh, really diverse and versatile and um, did some wonderful things on the field. Uh, really uh, really likeable character uh, and respected amongst his teammates for his work ethic and so forth. And um, yeah, interesting, Brett uh, yeah, played in the, um, the St Kilda Grand Finals uh, Years ago, and uh, I, I think I remember there was I remember reading about him being rubbished by Ross Lyon about his performance, and uh, <laughs> always sort of stuck in my mind then about uh, you know how that may may have affected him uh, as an individual. But uh, from what I can see, sort of you know he's a pretty resilient sort of character, Brad, and um, uh, we're going to talk all about that today about his own journey, about uh, resilience, uh, about mental health um, within the football environment. And also, you know, his life after football, how he sort of managed that and what he's doing now. And he's sort of, Brett's, you know, it's really interesting. He's working more in a, in a rural environment these days. So uh, starting to uh, get more on the land and, uh, and get around uh, animal agriculture and so forth too. So I know he uh, really enjoys that sort of stuff. So um, great, uh, great to see some footy players getting out into regional areas and, uh, and doing some work uh, uh, alongside of playing football, if that's... Uh, uh, what they do, so um, you know, lots of guys are getting back to farms and simple lives these days. That's really uh, a beautiful thing, I, I believe. So getting out of the hustle and bustle of the city and get back into the quiet stuff um, and start to uh, live a bit more peacefully again. It's uh, available to all of us. So hope you enjoy our chat. Just want to make special mention to Green Nutritionals who support the podcast. If you're lacking something in your diet. They provide awesome green organic superfoods, which are sourced from the best places around the world, all organic and uh, yeah, really pure and natural. So really encourage you to support them. Uh, look at their website if you can, greennutritionals.com.au. Their products are available in health food shops uh, all around Australia and you can also get them online. So please support them if you can. All right, appreciate your feedback with uh, this chat uh, uh, with Brett and I. If you'd like to shoot me some details afterwards, uh, support at batmind.com.au. G'day, Brett. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Now, tell me where you are at the moment again. Currently sitting in a car overlooking the ocean in a place called Many Peaks, which is uh, 50 k's east of Albany, down in the great southern of Western Australia. Um, absolute magic spot. How far from Perth is it? Oh, from Perth, it's probably 450 clicks. So, yeah, so it's a day trip pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, just over a day trip. Um, but, yeah, just a, a magic little place that I've fallen in love with. And, and you tell me you're surfing. Like, when did you take up surfing? Yes, yeah, surfing's something that, um, obviously, growing up as a young fella, the old man loved his surfing and, and he did it from a young age. And we spent, I just remember, you know, as a kid, every weekend we were always down the beach, you know, whether it started off learning how to swim down the beach and progressed into sort of bodyboarding and then progressed into surfing and you know there's some of the childhood sort of memories that i've got that you know i still surf to the day and you know if it wasn't for the old man sort of teaching me you know ocean sense and and teaching me uh surfing i wouldn't be doing it now but it's just such a such a release to be out in the ocean and 
you know, whether you're surfing with a group of mates or whether you're surfing on your own. Um, mm. Down here, um, I seem to surf a lot of my own, mm. which is good and good and bad. Um, sometimes it's always nice to have someone next to you to, you know, have a yarn. Mm. But then again, sometimes it's good just to be out, you know, and clear the mind and and, uh, and have the waves to yourself. Yeah, well, if there's good waves out there and there's no one around to go with you, I suppose there's a fair chance you'd get the board and go anyway, sort of thing. So. Uh, yeah, I, I made. I, I, as I think you mentioned to me, it's it's a great form of meditation, and uh, you know, you, you, your mind's nowhere else when you're out there doing that sort of stuff. I'd imagine. Oh, it's it's hard to you know. You always you always there's a slogan. I think it was a Billabong slogan. Only a surfer knows the feeling, mm. um, and it is so true. It's it's hard to describe to a non-surfer uh, what it feels like out there. A lot of people go, oh, you sit on your board, and you know. It, you might wait half an hour for a wave and you know you might be out there for sort of two hours and only catch four or five waves it all depends on the conditions and and sort of how you are i suppose in the moment but just to be out there you know whether you've got shit going on in your life which everyone does um whether you're you know on a natural high and you're just out there having fun and having a laugh with you know it doesn't necessarily have to be mates it can be other other people uh out in the water sharing the waves with you mm. it is just a, it's just a, a great thing to be able to do and you know it's, it's even better now that i get to share it with my young kids yeah mate. interesting like your dad your dad was a fair footballer back in the day too wasn't he yeah i, I think uh i think he knew how to kick the footy <laughs> every now and then <laughs> But he never really played uh, like VFL, was it back then? Uh, he was some, sort of more in the waffle, is that right? Yeah, so back then, for, waffle footy uh, for the listeners, obviously waffle was was huge, just like the VFL, you know, pre AFL. Um, a lot of a lot of players in sort of dad's era and and before didn't sort of need to go over and I suppose show their craft to the east coast because waffle pulled in some serious crowds. Um, I just was reading something the other day, it was just a, a derby between South Mantle and East Mantle. Um, they pulled in sort of just under 30,000, that's back in 79. Mm. Um, mm. And, you know, they got 55,000 plus to the to the 79 grand final. Well, they're, back then, they're huge numbers. You know, a, a derby now between Fremantle and West Coast don't even sometimes get 55,000. So mm. that's just showing you what it was like back then. Um, and then, uh, you know, it wasn't until he was late in his 20s, 29, I think, um, that he decided to, to go over and, and play for Geelong. Um, mm, that's right. And sort of played three years over there. I was actually born over in Geelong, so I've got a, I've got a little connection um, to Geelong. <laughs> and sort of, yeah, you know, but nowadays, if, if he was to play in this era, I'd be a lot different. Um, you know what I mean? You, players go wherever you're born or wherever you, you play your junior footy, that means virtually nothing because you can get drafted virtually everywhere in Australia now. So, mm. yeah, times have changed. Mate, interesting because I reckon there's a fair chance that he would have went to Geelong because of the surf at Torquay. <laughs> I reckon we, we had a, a chat over Christmas. We were talking about oh, everything. And um, I was lucky enough to go and play for St Kilda for three years. And I reckon I spent... Most of my time down in Torquay, um, I had a, had a few close uh, friends down there that showed me the ropes of, you know, where to surf and, and the, the waves down there. And I just fell in love with it. That, you know, that Torquay coastline, even further down uh, to Warrnambool, yeah. it's just magic. Uh, it really is a magic part of the country. And, yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed my, um, my short stint over there. 
Mate, so let's have a yak about your, your, like your, your upbringing. You were brought up in Perth primarily after your old man left Geelong and so forth and transitioned into, into footy at an early age. Is that right? Yeah, just normal upbringing. Um, lived in a, you know, a suburb called Williton, which has produced um, a lot of good sports people. A lot of good sports people come from the 6155 postcode. Um, <laughs> And not just sports people, both academically as well. Uh, it was the biggest, Williton High School was the, um, the biggest state school back in sort of my era. Um, and it's produced, yeah, it's produced a lot of successful people. So, yeah, just um, went to Williton Primary um, and then obviously transitioned, played footy from a young age. Obviously, like every young kid does, you've got aspirations to reach the highest level. Um, and then you go through your... Uh, through your high school years and that's where your sort of body starts to change and your sort of direction in life starts to take shape um, and, and footy really wasn't on the radar I, I was I'm the first to admit I was pretty small as a um, as a 13 14 15 year old um, I wasn't good enough um, and, and I was content with that um, you know I had had a bunch of mates that loved surfing I started my plumbing apprenticeship uh left school in year 10 and started my plumbing apprenticeship which sort of kept me grounded and uh you know it was it was good because you actually got to learn something but you also got paid at the, <laughs> yeah. at the same time so from a young age you got to understand you know what it was like to earn an income mm-hmm. that's true mate uh, yeah interesting like you, you just pulled up stumps then and you never never really followed the traditional pathways of Maybe it was uh, junior, like, rep footy and all that sort of thing coming through. Or, you know, these days in Victoria, it's obviously the tack cup and all that sort of thing. So you just, like, mucked around playing football, did you? Or did it sort of, like, evolve for you from there? Yeah, so I, I tried out for a couple of, um, you know, back then they had sort of combined sides for your district and sort of I made it so far and, and just... I just wasn't good enough. You know, I, as I said, small sort of body, didn't have the didn't have the tricks that some of the other guys did um and then I just played footy for fun and still still enjoyed it and then there was a period where you know I was a third year apprentice um you know my apprenticeship was was more than anything else because I wanted to finish it and I wanted to do something uh, in the plumbing industry and it really wasn't for if I wasn't at the pub on a Thursday night um the local team was was short of numbers, and I said, "Yeah, I think I got some footy boots. I'm I'm more than willing to to put my hand up and have a kick." And from that moment, um, it was G grade footy. So I was playing with people that were older than the old man. Um, I, I tell a story that you had to bring your own ice for your injuries and for the uh, the beers after the game. You had to put you had to put the pads on the goalpost. It was just everyone was there to have fun and and to share each other's camaraderie and. From that moment, I, I sort of fell in love with footy again, and um, I just was lucky enough to sort of progress through the ranks um, and make my way down to, to East Fremantle um, pre-season and try out for the league side. And from that moment, certainly didn't look back. Um, found found a niche playing there, and uh, from there was lucky enough to get sort of father son to to Fremantle. Unbelievable, mate. So, so how old were you when you when you went there? I was twenty. I was twenty when I got drafted. Twenty, um, which is well back then, which is considered sort of late. There was, you know, that was the era where a couple of years before, 
Um, I think some of the AFL teams have recruited some sort of mid-20-year-olds. But in regards to draft, if you were 20, you'd miss the boat. Mm. Um, And once again, you know, I had a good season at at waffle level and was lucky enough uh, to get an opportunity to to go to Fremantle um, and, you know, get an opportunity. And once again, it, it is only an opportunity because you've got to obviously do the hard work to then to then make something out of it. But um, I'm, it's a different pathway, but I suppose it, it taught me a lot. I had a few life lessons sort of before getting drafted in, in the real world, and the real world is obviously waking up at sort of 4.30 in the morning, putting the work boots on and, and heading to work. So mm. it was a different way to enter the AFL, and you hear more of those transitions happening you know, in the, over the last decade because AFL clubs are looking at more mature age players, guys that have shown what they're capable of in, um, in state footy. So, yeah, someone to get drafted at 20 now is not really uh, out of the ordinary. Mm, yeah, that's right, mate. It's funny how it's all changed, isn't it? And watching um, really good players like Mr. the boat and, you know, ended up in their mid to late 20s and then maybe getting a chance, but... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit older than you, but I saw some great people go through and, and you know, miss the opportunity to, to, to get a chance. But, um, uh, yeah, you, you, you're probably pretty lucky that it's all worked out for you, but you already had a backup plan uh, other than, than that. But I reckon, um, you know, it sounds like you, you would have went on to a successful career uh, if you weren't a footballer into some other, you know, field of plumbing or whether that may, may be some other form of trade. But... It sounds like, you know, did you find it like when you went into Fremantle like pretty different than what it was from the environment that you'd been in and you had to sort of step up a few gears to, to sort of, you know, get to that level? It was sort of an interesting one because um, being a, being an apprentice in, in any trade, not just necessarily plumbing, is um, you make, you know, what you want out of it. You know, you've got to put in the hard, the hard yards. I had some really good um, tradesmen that taught me sort of the right way to do things and sort of, you know, how to plan a day and how to plan a week and, you know, what was expected um, as you go through first, second, third, fourth year into tradesman life. Mm. Um, so then rocking up uh, to an AFL environment, I sort of was, A, I was 20, so I wasn't 17, 18. Mm. Uh, B is I had, a tra- I had a trade certificate in my back pocket. So for me going into the AFL system and failing wasn't a problem because I knew that if it wasn't for this opportunity um, that I was about to embark on, I would have I would have potentially gone in and started running my own plumbing business. Mm. It's a little bit sort of easy to say now because you don't know which direction you would have gone, but I would have still been in the plumbing industry today, dare I say, if I didn't play, if I didn't play AFL football. Mm-hmm. Incredible, isn't it? And, you know, God... Isn't it amazing how life just opens doors for us and uh, you know, if you're courageous enough to sort of walk through them. But yeah, you, you're quite lucky that you had that to always fall back on and, and that skill, whether you're doing it now or not, is always something that you can, uh, can utilise, you know. So um, having that opportunity as a young fella and what you're able to learn, you know, that practical stuff, I think is really, really important. 100%. And it actually, once I finished my um, AFL career, you know, you sort of sit back and you're like... Uh, you're waiting for things to sort of come to you and you're sort of looking at, you know, a, a, the bigger picture. And, and now I've said it before, the AFL system's flawed in so many ways. Um, mm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a fake world. Mm. Um, I don't care what anyone says. When, when everything's going well, everything is going well. And then when things are going bad, 
you know, everything's going bad. Um, it's one of those things, you know, you just, you take it for whatever it is. But I actually, coming out of the AFL system, got back into the plumbing industry, which there was the last thing on my mind. But there was a moment there where I, I was like, I've got a trade certificate. I did, I did four years and I did a year of on and off plumbing in my first year as, a, as an AFL player. Maybe I need to explore that. And, you know, once I explored and had a few meetings, things just started opening up. And I ended up going on to mentor plumbing apprentices for, um, for seven years. Mm. And I enjoyed it so much. Uh, it was so fulfilling um, because I got to bring, you know, I, I was talking to kids at the same age as when I left school to embark on the plumbing apprenticeship. But I also had AFL experience, which brought so many highs and lows, um, I could sort of bring that into it. So, yeah, it was just funny that sort of you'd sit back and go, oh, what am I going to do work-wise now? And it was staring me straight in the straight in the eyes. It was it was the plumbing industry that was going to get me, uh, you know, going forward in that second phase of life. Mm, incredible, mate. Like, yeah, you, it sounds like you enjoyed it and you, you were able to find this, this great connection with it, but how good were you as a mentor to be able to, like, use your your lived experience as a footballer with a bit of a profile and then be able to go back and sort of help young fellas. I think that's that's so important, you know. We 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 uh, we sometimes employ people that are that are probably not, you know, really well suited to uh, to that mentoring sort of space, but to have someone that um, you know has already done it and uh, and already has a passion for it, I think that's that's important. But you know, to be able to use your life skills and experience uh, to help those young men, I would have thought it would have been primarily, uh, is uh, is really important. It it was looking back on it now. Um I, I loved waking up and going to work doing doing that role because it was fulfilling. You know, you got to see you got to see kids come into the system and then you know finish their four years and, and head into life as a tradesman. Like it was only you know life goes pretty quick. It was only it was only yesterday that I remember my first day as an apprentice to my last day as a, an apprentice, and you, you hope and I've seen. I've seen some kids that, you know, I was lucky enough to, to play 1% role in their sort of uh, apprenticeship journey that are now running success, like very successful plumbing businesses. Mm. You know, I sit back and I go, it was great to be part, a very small part of sort of their journey through their sort of late adolescent teenage years. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things you can sit back and go, hopefully some of the things that, sort of I, I explained and, and put on the table, um, helped them in, in a small way. So it's, yeah, good to sit back and reflect on on moments. And that job was, you know, out of all the sort of jobs that I've had, and I had, haven't had a heap, that was certainly the most rewarding. Yeah, no doubt, mate. Any, anything you can do to help uh, guide a, a person, whether that be young or old, I think it absolutely is, you know, and if they can take something away from that and, and, their, and that experience to be able to help them transition to be successful in life, that's, that's really key, mate. And um, it's interesting with footy, like, did it take you long before you sort of hit your straps at, at Fremantle to get a senior game or do you have to sort of do the hard yards there for a while? I still had to, still had to do that. It's like anything. Um, it's a, a coach once said, um, once, you, once you're in the team, you're in the team, but getting there is the hardest thing. Mm. And it's, it's so true that, um, you know, you've got to train your ass off. You, you're training, you're rocking up, you know, to pre-season day one and you're, you're, ru you're running 
you know, 400 reps with some guys that you idolise, that you've watched on TV, that are seasoned AFL players. Mm. You know, some of them that have played in winning premierships, some of them, you know, that have won uh, individual accolades at the highest level. So it, it was hard, but um, it was really enjoyable because, you know, nothing, nothing in life gets gifted to you um, and you've got to work hard for it. And uh, my first year, I didn't, I didn't play a game. It was just, you know, developing what sort of position was I going to play, if I was ever going to make it. Um, I broke my arm in the first year, which was a, you know, very small setback. Um, and it wasn't until my second year that I sort of, you know, probably put on a little bit of muscle, understood the AFL system, what, you know, what to do, what was expected. And that's where sort of I started to make a little bit of an indent, um, I suppose, into, into the competition. Mm. Unreal, mate. Yeah, look at uh, yeah. Obviously, there's not many guys that sort of rock up and get a chance straight away. So I, I sort of always observed you as someone that had to sort of you know do the hard yards and, and really sort of earn your opportunity. And you know, it's not like you were you know a high profile draft pick or, or someone. You'd sort of come through the ranks, you know. And it's really pleasing to see you know guys like yourself that uh, that get the opportunity and sort of grab it by the balls. And how, how many years did you have at Fremantle before you you end up going to St Kilda? I ended up having just over six years um, at Freo, which was, you know, we we were so close to um, in two thousand and six to to making a grand final, um, mm. but yet yeah, so far away. It's it's footy, a sport in general. You know, you can feel so close, um, mm. but then when you look back on it, you're actually a long way away from from getting you know to that end uh, destination, which is, which is in AFL level, which is to lift the Premiership Cup. There's no doubt about it. Everyone talks about it. Every young kid wants to be on that uh, you know podium at the, you know the last siren and, and get presented your medal. But it's hard. It's hard to win AFL Premierships. It's it's even harder to get there. Mm. So um, you know that was a journey which uh, you know through my six six odd years at Fremantle um, sort of took. T- taught me a lot, got to play with and meet some amazing people um, and then it was just right to sort of explore avenues um, and the avenue was to go over to St Kilda and continue you know, my career which they had just come off 2009 losing to Geelong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always thought you know, there, were, there was an opportunity to, to play A in finals but B potentially reach a grand final and yeah, I suppose I was lucky enough and unlucky enough, depending on which way you look at it, to play in the 2010, you know, double, double header, the drawn grand final, and then the replay. Um, as much as it sort of, you know, hurts that we didn't win it and we had to come back and play in week two, it certainly taught me a lot of life lessons um, out of that. Um, mm. You know, don't get me wrong. There's still moments now where you know you, you have flashbacks of of periods of of that game or those games, but it is what it is. Unfortunately, sport is ruthless and it can only be one winner. Um, and on that day, it sort of wasn't us, it was the Collingwood Footy Club. So, you know, credit to them, but yeah, it still doesn't, it still doesn't make it any easier. What is it, nearly, uh, nearly 10 years, 11 years on? Yeah, after it, it seems like yesterday, mate. And um, I remember where I was <laughs> when that happened, but mate, uh, it's interesting. Um, I just, I just reckon, yeah, you're right. You, you sort of touched on it before about you know footy being like a real false environment, and um, 
you know, one thing I've always observed with, with clubs, you know, you, you, it's great while you're there, but then you can be sort of dropped on your ass really quickly when you're out of it, you know, and, um, and I've always sort of observed, you know, the mental well-being of, of players, um, not so much to be as being neglected, but, but certainly something which, um, which could do with, um, you know, some, some respect and attention and so forth, and that's sort of slowly starting to evolve and change now, but, um, you know, yeah, you, you, it's, it's like most things in life, you, you're just a, not so just, but you are a performer, you know, you, you're accountable for your actions and uh, it's the same as being in the workplace or whatever, you know, and um, that can really, can, can really drain you, particularly as a professional athlete when you're expected to get up all the time. Did you find that sort of challenging throughout your career to be able to sort of, uh, um, you know, have to, to get up to a certain level week by week or... You know, were there were there times in your in, in your career where you sort of struggled a bit mentally and um, and found it a bit tricky uh, to, to to get your way through? Yeah, I was a little bit lucky. Um, both or most of the coaches, two in particular or three in particular, um, were pretty good in regards to a, a lot of them wanted to have the players have something outside of football. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people went to uni part-time, went to TAFE part-time, but, you know, or, or went and um, sort of sat in an office under someone that would sort of mentor them in a, in a business that sort of they might find themselves in outside of football. For me, because I had my trade certificate, and looking back on it, I don't know if it was good or bad, um, I sort of was lucky enough to, you know, go, go surfing or go play golf, and that was sort of my um, escape. Yep. Um, to sort of go free the mind and, and sort of get away from all the hustle and bustle of, of the AFL environment. Um, I, I always think, you know, when I, was feeling, when I was feeling flat or, you know, when I needed to get myself up, it was always, I would always draw back on sort of what, what had I done previously or what do I need to do individually to sort of get myself up or have some of my actions um, that I've chosen to take, whether they be good or bad, have they implicated on uh, my performance, uh, if I'm going to get dropped, you know, all those sorts of things. So I'm, I'm a big advocate for um, self, self-checking yourself first to make sure, because um, time does go quick, you know, days turn into weeks, turn into months, and next minute turn into a year. Um, in footy terms, that season's over. You, you might you might be contracted for another year, another two years. You might be out of contract. All these things play on your mind. But for me, if I had done the if I had done the work and I sort of looked after myself, um, I, I was in a good I was in a good headspace. It was when I sort of dropped off and sort of let get let things get to me, which um, it was always through my through my own wrongdoing. Mm. Um, that's when I could sort of go, okay, I need to do a little bit more, you know, in training. I need to concentrate on sort of what I'm eating more. Um, mm. All those little things. So it is. I don't know. I'm a little bit different, maybe maybe to others, but um, I sort of knew how to get myself up. And it, and for me, it was when I went to training, make sure I was present to train as as best as I could to to give myself the best opportunity. Um, to be picked for that week. And, and the old man's always always said, if you work hard and you can sort of put your hand up, if you're good enough, if you're good enough, and um, you will succeed, you'll get picked. If not, that's fine. You have to be a, you have to be a realist. Mm. If you're not good enough at something, you have to accept that sometimes. Mm. And I suppose, you know, going, going and watching junior sport now and, and just being an observer, 
um, from going to watch, you know, people's kids or going to watch my nephews. A lot of a lot of parents put so much pressure on their kids um, mm. in regards to they put them on a pedestal, saying that you know they're going to make it. You know, to to make the highest level of any sport is such a small percent. Mm. Um, and you you know I, I see it all the time that um, you can sort of be led down this false road, this false road that you know. Yes, you've got to work hard to get there, but you, you have to be a realist as well that, you know, to make the top at anything, whether it be business, whether it be sport, whatever you do, you have to put in the hard work mm. and you're going, to, you're going to take some criticism along the way. You're going to get told you're not good enough. Yes. Um, you, you have to own that. Um, and some people own that and go forward at a rate of knots and, and go, okay, if I'm getting... If I'm getting told I'm not good enough, I'm going to prove them wrong. We, we hear it all the time, especially now with podcasts and books and everything. Yeah. Some guys are able to push through, guys and, and girls, are able to push through that barrier and prove people wrong. Other people, mentally strong, you know, sort of might give up a little bit easier and sort of, you know, fall off the away line. It is a, the whole mental wellness space is a real interesting one. I, I suppose for me, you know, Social media plays a massive part in it, I think. Mm. Media, full yeah. stop. Yeah. Um, media dictate so much um, and people, you know, people jump on that. So for me, it was always self-check myself first. You know, look at myself in the mirror and go on, have I prepared the best I can to give myself the best opportunity to go forward in whatever I'm doing? And 99.9% of the time, looking in the mirror, I'll be able to, shake my head or nod my head to say yep i've done the hard work i'm ready to go or nah, i've sort of i've sort of missed a few key areas here so maybe you know that's why i deserve to get dropped or you know that's why i'm not performing at you know where i should be mm-hmm. well said mate it's interesting um remember remember ross line had a crack at you about the way you played um uh one of those grand finals years ago and i think you really took that on the chin from memory, yeah, you, so I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he was ruthless. And the, be, the best thing, you know, a lot, a lot of people can, uh, can mock Ross Lyon. Um, I said it in, a, in another interview uh, uh, last year, I think. You know, for him as an individual, as a coach, he was a bee's dick from being one of the greatest coaches over the last 20 years. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's amazing how, you know, you can just be so close to something great, but yet be so far from something great. And the best thing about him, I suppose, maybe we, you know, maybe he had the same philosophy as the old man. But um, yeah, I walked into an exit meeting um, after the 2010 Grand Final, and, and he he hit the nail on the head. He said exactly how it was, didn't perform, you know, all that sort of stuff. But I, I wasn't going to sit there and and sort of and cry and be upset because he spoke to me in a manner like that. It was it was truly deserved, and I. I took that and it made me work harder in the off-season heading into the 2011, year, 2011 season. And I probably went on to have one of my better years. Now, I didn't, I didn't use that as motivation. I just used that as, you know what? He said what I was probably thinking mm. and I needed to hear it from, and in, you know, he was the coach. He's the one at the end of the day that sort of, you know, picks you or doesn't pick you. So, you know... More coaches need to be, need to be in, in any sport, just need to be direct. Sometimes 
you see coaches that beat around the bush or, you know, CEOs or general managers in business that beat around the bush, all I say is just hit the nail on the head and just say it how it is because more, more likely than not, the employee will step up to the plate and go, yep, at least I know where I stand now, what I need to do to get better. Mm. And, you know, it, at least it just leaves the door open or closed, not, not this half-open bullshit. Yes. Um, and that's the thing that I like. And if I'm not doing, you know, the right thing, whether it be in, in sort of your family life or if it's in your work life or it's in your, you know, your, your sport life, you just want people just to check, you know, pull you up. You know, I don't think you should be doing this. I think you should be doing it that way. And we just, as humans, if we can cop criticism on the chin and use it in a positive way, I think, I think every, everyone moves forward in a better environment. Agree, mate. And, uh, you know, it's certainly like, you know, we, we do, um, you know, we, we are encouraged to pull out the mental health card, uh, as we've discussed with Heath and a few others, uh, you know, pretty pretty regularly, and it's, it's 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 certainly warranted, you know, in in some some occasions. But if you can take constructive criticism and be able to, you know, use that as a platform for growth, then all of a sudden you are on uh, a pathway to better mental health, aren't you? Because you're certainly taking um, taking that as uh, as um, you know a, a bit of a prompt. Um, you, you can take a reactive approach or a proactive approach. If you take a proactive approach, then all of a sudden you can move forward, like. You know that situation. Um, uh, you know, with uh, with Ross Lyon, um, you were you were a pretty resilient character. You, you know, you would have taken that the right way, and I'm sure he would have been aware of that. But um, you know, sometimes um, it can go the other way for people, and um, you know, every, everyone's different too, Brett, aren't they? You know, like some people are affected by 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 comments and that you know through a lot of their own personal experience and, and traumas and that they might might have been through, which uh, may trigger them, but. Um, you know, I'm a bit like you. If I can get a kick in the guts when I need it, um, then that usually helps me um, you know, get off my backside a little bit too and be able to move forward. So, you know, if you do that the right way to an individual, it can help them uh, transform. And, you know, not only good for it comes from them, but a lot of other people around them, I suppose, as well. 100%. Um, and I've always been, you know, through the upbringing, you gotta, you got to hold yourself from the actions you know that you do and whether whether they are the right ones or the wrong ones and you know everyone grows up as a as a kid and we you know we've all we've all no one's perfect and we've all got our flaws but as long as as long as you own them and that's what that's that's what i'm so big on just that self-checking look at yourself in the mirror um and on the flip side as well if it is your if we're talking in in well in any job and sport is a job. If you can have those good, robust discussions one-on-one -on -one and feedback goes back and forth, uh, that makes it a hell of a lot easier as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't just, sometimes you don't just cop it on the chin and, and sort of go forward. Sometimes it's those, those good, healthy discussions, you know, that can go back and forth and you sort of both, you both work it out for the betterment of, of going forward. So mm -hmm. yeah, but just for me, just for me, it's just always making sure, have I, have I done everything in, in my control that is going to help me going forward the best of, you know, the best of my capabilities, yeah, pretty much. Well said, mate. Tell me, um, like, with, with regards to what you're doing now on the farm, you know, you, you were doing a bit of work around a few farms there. Do you find it like it's a really good nurturing environment for you and it gives you a lot of freedom? Yeah, this is... What, what, what I'm sort of doing now is 
you know, so I, I left uh, to come down and play footy down in the Great Southern. Um, it, was a, it was an opportunity. I'm big now that I've got kids. I'm big on taking opportunities um, and not dwelling on them and going, oh, what are the pros? What are the cons? Let's just live in the moment mm. and let's let's explore opportunities and make the most out of them. Um, I just I'd taken a, a good job up in Perth uh, in in March last year. Opportunity came up to sort of travel with the family and play footy, um, and I sort of handed in my resignation. Ended up selling the house in Perth. And we're living out of a caravan. We live out of a caravan. Um, every now and then I go help a few farms around the area. Uh, obviously, you know, with what's going on, there's a, there's a lot, of, lot of farmers that just need a, a hand here and there. It's something that I've got little experience with, but I'll tell you one thing. I, I bloody love it. I get to bring the oldest kid with me sometimes. Um, it's a whole other world. I've been brought up in the city. Now I'm living sort of out in... The country on the coast so I'm, when the surf's good I'm surfing and when the when the surf's no good I'm working um, it's just a it's just a really good opportunity to bring the girls up in a different environment and and get to enjoy you know I suppose you know what farmers their day-to-day you know as I say a farmer never stops there's always something that needs to be done on the farm there's always a fence down and yeah. You know, cows have ran through a fence, trees down. It's it's just a, it's amazing that I'm that I'm able to do this, and I've been given an opportunity to you know get my hands dirty in something that I never thought I'd do, and um, just thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong, it's I'm certainly not working seven days a week, <laughs> um, but the days that I am on country and I am helping. Oh, it's great. You're out in the elements. You know, you, you get to learn. You know, a couple of farms are, are sheep farms and crop farms, and some of them are cattle farms. So I get, you know, I get to learn a little bit about sort of, you know, that side of of the ag world, um, which is really interesting. Uh, I've learned I've learned a heap in a short time, and it's something that um, sort of always learning and just being able to share it with the family as well is just one of those magical things. I think. I can I can see you buying your own place and doing your own thing potentially in the future. I don't know if that's come to you, but uh, once you're sort of on the land, you're in that environment. It's it's such a nice, uh, nice uh, you know stress-free uh, environment to be in. There's there's always always some stresses on the farm, but you haven't got the uh, the outside influences like you would be uh, having in or getting in Perth or you know anywhere that's built up. You know and um, that part of the world, by the sound of it, is is, is pretty pretty unique and, and, and untouched, you know. And if you can, you can uh, certainly uh, you know create a lifestyle for yourself in those sorts of areas. I think it's 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 pivotal. And isn't it amazing, like how we uh, how we, we sort of come to things in our life that we wouldn't expect? And um, uh, you know, for you to take the punt, and there's lots of people doing exactly what you're doing. They're just like sold up, bought a caravan, and just going wherever life takes them, you know. Um, it's such a such a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's one of those things. A lot of people. There are a lot of people doing it. There's a, there's a lot of people that are travelling um, full time. You know, doing the lap of Australia or doing the lap of a um, of a state if the borders are closed. But for us, yeah, for us, you know, we've found we've found a niche sort of down here. Some really good some really good people down here um, that have given us opportunity. And I suppose it's one of those things, so many people, 99% of the population probably live a life of 
of a bl- of a blueprint, you know, of, of wake up, go to work, send their kids to school, come home, school sport. You know, a lot of people live a very routine life. Mm. I've co- I've come from that, and is it right or is it wrong? I don't know. But we just we've got an opportunity to live a different sort of lifestyle um, that seen, that works for us. And I, I tell anyone to you know take a punt, take you know jump in the deep end and. Sort of get yourself out of the comfort zone. Um, you know, I, I had a chat with a mate the other day, and they they have a coffee the same place the same day, Monday to Friday. <laughs> I can tell you one thing: I purposely make my make myself a cup of coffee in the morning and make sure I have my cup of coffee in it if it's on a different beach or a different uh, viewing platform because it just gets your day off to a uh, to a really good start just by having you know that routine coffee to start the day but it's never at the same time sometimes it's at 4 30 in the morning sometimes it's at eight o'clock in the morning um <laughs> just whichever way the day takes us it's sort of that whole routine is sort of slowly uh i suppose uh, coming out of the system because the afl system is is so routine um you know, which yeah. it's hard to break. It's it's taken me sort of ten years out of the system to sort of break that, um, and sort of you know be a little bit free and you know time management. You know, not as crucial you know as it once was. So yeah, very different life. But geez, it's um, if anyone can have the opportunity to jump in the deep end and do something, and you know, we, we live a very simple life. Um, sometimes if I don't catch fish, we don't eat dinner. Simple as that. <laughs> It's not a bad way to be. You're not spending the, 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 a fortune and you're not going uh, up the road to pay 25 bucks for one piece of barrel money and then go home and cook it, you know? So if you can go and catch the food where, uh, where you know it's come from, how much better is that? How much more rewarding is that than, uh, than living a more convenient lifestyle, I suppose? Yeah, you sort of, uh, you learn, you know, like we, we might only do, we might only do a, a shop once every, you know, three weeks. Um, mm. And you, you learn, you learn, you know, you living in, in a city, in a bigger city or a town, you, you know, as I said, go back to that routine. You, you virtually, you or the wife does the shopping virtually the same time, the same day, every week. <laughs> yeah. Everything is so routine. Whereas, you know, if the weather's good and we want to go fishing and we want to, we want to stock the freezer, well, that's, that's what we're going to do. Um, you know, we're not, oh, well, we can't just drive into, go do some shopping because we're too far away so you just learn to just roll with the punches and deal with deal with things when it happens and it's a really it's a really cool sort of way of living um it's mate it's a traditional you know the traditional way all the all the all the cultures they 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 went and did it when they needed to didn't they they didn't have the routine they've got to catch the rule at the same time uh at the same place (laughs) every week it was always just whenever you know Different, different world. Yeah. We're in a different world, aren't we? So, yeah, it's probably going back just living, living that sort of very simple, simple life. Um, once again, it's all about the kids now, giving them sort of a just a different, different sort of upbringing. Um, spending as much time as possible, whether that be through, you know, spending time at the beach, going out, spending time on country, learning, learning different things from different cultures. Um, yeah, just. There's so much to there's so much to do. Just you know, fitting it fitting as much in to a day and um, yeah, just having ad- adventures as we call it. We go, what adventure are we going on today? And there's always a new adventure to be had. And 
you know, sometimes those adventures don't go according to plan, but as long as you can sit back at, at the end of the night and have a laugh and a joke about it, you carry on and, the, and you know, as the cliche, the sun always pops its head up the next morning. It does, mate, and it's been doing that forever, you know, and it doesn't give a shit about the coronavirus or anything else in the middle, really, does it? Because it just keeps turning up. So, so it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, they're the things to be grateful for, you know, and uh, we, we sort of get stuck between the ears with a lot of the, uh, a lot of the stuff in modern society. But, mate, you're, you're, you've got a great, a great lifestyle now and, you know, just, just, just stick with it. How, how old are your kids? Kids are five and two. Only little, unreal. Yeah, so they, um, you know, they, they love it. They've, you know, we've started homeschool, homeschooling for the five-year-old this year, um, you know, that might, that may last, or we might send it to a small school. But just just getting to spend every every day with her and get you know watching her grow and how much uh, I suppose they learn from the stuff that we're doing. Like she knows more about sheep and sheep and cows than most adults do. Yes. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's just these, it's just these, it's just it really is. It, it's a cool way to be able to wake up in the morning. You know, jump in the car, jump on a motorbike, take the five-year-old with me. You know, if, got to do some, got to do this and that. Um, go do it and just educate, educate her in a sort of different way. So it seems to be working at the moment, but as we all know, you know, t- things change and you go in different directions. But yeah, for the for the time being. Um, yeah, life's good. It's good stuff, mate. It's interesting. I uh, getting off track a bit, but I've sort of teach, uh, not taught, but oh, well, I, well, I have taught. I've taught. I teach yoga, so I've taught yoga to kids that are homeschooled. I've taught yoga to kids that are in the mainstream, just of your own interest. Like when they're sort of in their mid-teens, late teens, the the difference is incredible. Honestly, like they're, they're just so more present with themselves, um, whereas the mainstream kids are so tense and stressed and anxious, you know? It's not a great way to start life. I have to agree with you with you 100% on that. Um, when, when I was playing, going back to, you know, the, the, the football life, when I was playing my best footy, when I was sort of in control of, of things, it was when I was... Um, doing yoga and stretching um i'm a i'm a big advocate for it it's probably something that i'm only just getting back into into now obviously you know nearly nearly reaching 40 um and still playing footy you you know as each year as i get older and i'm playing on an 18 19 year old you've got to make sure that all your uh all your muscles and limbs are you know as ready to go as possible so (laughs) i'm a big advocate for it when you you know there's nothing better than waking up in the morning you know, when the, when the sun's rising and w- whether it's yoga or stretching, Pilates, you know, w- there's so many different techniques out there now. I really think it is uh, a good way to start the day. Yep. Um, yeah. And it just, yeah, really sets everything up for, you know, for the day ahead. So, yeah, I'm a big advocate for it. And, you know, with kids, kids can easily be distracted by mobile phones this day and age. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, I suppose the beautiful thing about us is we've got shit reception sort of out here. So, um the, the kids and phones is sort of something that doesn't go hand in hand but yeah I, i'm sure it'll come you know you, you only have to go into sort of you know uh, built up areas and or you, you go to a cafe and the easiest thing to do is just flick your kid kid a phone which mm. you know isn't necessarily the right thing to do um but once again everyone everyone teaches their kids you know different ways of uh, of upbringing but yeah mm. going on your point 
yoga, stretching, Pilates is, is crucial, I think. So I'm with you on that one. There's a reason why they call them sun salutations, you know. So getting up and doing that in the morning just gets your body working again, back in rhythm, gets all the all the chemistry working together, you know. Geez, if we want to try and maintain our physical and mental bodies and doing this sort of stuff is, is really important, you know. It's, um, it's science, which... Um, which helps the human function, um, you know, well, and, and you can keep performing, um, you know, at a, at a high level as a sports person playing footy, you know, for a fair few more years yet. If you can just keep that, you know, um, keep that awareness of the body and also keep the body working well. But you know, the great thing that's going to come from it is your kids are going to see you doing it, and then all of a sudden, you know, they'll um, gravitate towards this sort of stuff too, which is really beautiful. Yeah, and that's something that sort of. You know, slow, slowly see sort of now, um, and it's it's one thing. You know, you look looking back on it. I, I wish I'd probably you know through through the teenage years. I suppose you know when you're young and you you know your meta- metabolism burns. You know, everything so quick and you're nimble. You sort of don't take it for granted. It's it's probably until now that you really see the benefits of, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you might have, you know, a little bit of a twinge back or something and you, whereas when you're stretching and, and doing those things day in, day out, mm. all those small little aches and pains sort of, they do, they disappear. Yes. Um, yeah. And you sort of can attack the day, you know, not worrying about, oh, I can't lift that sort of because I'm going to hurt my back. It's just you get stuck into it. So, yeah, it is. Oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah. For a lot of people to get into if, if they don't. Oh, for sure, mate. It's um, it's amazing because yeah, it's it's just like a vehicle, isn't it? On a mine side or on a farm, if you don't maintain it, then uh, it breaks down. You know, so primarily we've got to be able to do things which keep uh, keep our bodies in, in nick and also our uh, you know our minds in nick. Otherwise, we uh, we uh, can end up with um, with imbalances. And um, you know, it's something that we don't get taught at school. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe it's sort of coming in now, but uh, you know, it's it's something which is um. Uh, you know, really necessary uh, as a human to be able to sort of give ourselves that maintenance and that pre-ability of uh, approach rather than the reactive approach. And, you know, uh, it's always been reactive, hasn't it? We, 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 we go hard until something happens and then we, uh, we go and get help. But if we can just help ourselves, I think that's the most important gift that we can give ourselves and, and everyone else around us. Yeah, 100%. That's just that last comment that you made. It's so true. You go so, you go so, it's like, you know, it's like your, your car. It's like your car. Sometimes you, ah, oh, no, that should be right. We'll just keep on going, keep on going. Sometimes it's just that, you know, getting that service done that little bit earlier. Same as your body. You know, if you can just check in and, and make sure you're doing things along the way, doesn't get to that moment where it's, it becomes broke and then you've got to go, you know, you've got to go see a physio or a mechanic or something. So <laughs> yeah. it, is, it, is, it is crucial. Sometimes I laugh at it because sometimes it takes us to an older age to go back and, and, and do things that we probably should have been doing, you know, years and years go. before. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it, it is quite interesting. Mate, um, how can people get hold if they want to reach out to you and say good day? Um... I'm on, I'm on social media, um, <laughs> Brett Peake Brett Peak on, on Instagram, I'm on LinkedIn. I don't use LinkedIn as much as, as, as I probably should. Yeah. Um, I, I use that to more so keep up with the, with the plumbing industry um, and it's obviously a good, a good way you know, to see new products and, and businesses and just to see what businesses are doing in sort of you know, different areas. Um, I sort of 
keep a little bit sort of you know things close to my chest um yeah. but yeah i'm always you know there's i've been in touch with a, a few um a few footy fanatics you know in the in the last couple of years and you know done some things for them that have brought you know joy joy to them so sometimes it's you know i play footy now you know to give back to sort of a younger generation especially you know coming down to you know the great southern hopefully i can just give a little bit back you know a to the team that i'm playing for and b to the competition um you know my philosophy's always been once you enter a place when you leave have you left it in a better spot than when you've entered it you know Absolutely. um so i'm looking forward to you know to this to this upcoming footy season it'll be my second year down here and hopefully um some good things are on the horizon for a club that has struggled over the last sort of decade so yeah who are you playing for mate playing for the albany sharks all right so i'll uh, yeah, let people know to, to check out them and uh and uh see you going throughout the year mate appreciate it albany sharks i'm just writing that down here now so i'll uh, i'll look them up too and uh yeah, mate, uh, good on you for doing what you're doing, you know, uh, without sort of, uh, you know, forcing life, you're letting life sort of, you know, come to you and, you know, there's some awesome things uh, coming your way, I reckon, for sure. So, you know, really appreciate the chat, mate. I'm sure lots of people will get plenty from this and, um, um, yeah, living the ultimate life. So let's all, let's all do what's Brett, what Brett's doing and uh, get, get out there and get a caravan and just get stuck into it. It just makes so much bloody sense to me. No, I, I appreciate A, for obviously having me on and just and B, obviously keep doing what you're doing as well. Um, obviously, you know, listen to a few of your podcasts and um, pod, podcasts are the way to go. Um, and I suppose, you know, the podcasts that you're doing are just, yeah, open, honest, raw, which is what, which is sort of what you want. So, yeah, kudos to you. Keep on doing it. And uh, as we said off air, hopefully you can get some of those um, those surfers on board to, <laughs> to do a podcast or two. And uh, and I'll definitely be uh, listening in to, to some of those. But, yeah, number one, thanks for having me on. Very much appreciated. Uh, 